Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we get into this week's edition of The Bloom Files, I wanted to squeeze in a couple of quick seconds and talk about our sponsor for this week, Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Now, if you excuse me, I got some case opening to do. The truth is out there. And here, who knows? But either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps and X Files First Watch slash Rewatch Podcast. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here. And while the X Files may be dissolved for the time being, the Bloom Files certainly are not. Uh, in many, many ways, both the partnership that my co host and I have in real life and on the Bloom Files proper. We're covering the end of season one and the beginning of season two. Let me, of course, introduce my co-host, my partner on the case, who is even cuter than a frozen alien embryo. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a term of endearment, I think. <laughs> yeah, hi, here I am. What was cuter, the frozen alien embryo from that or the one that they find in the guy's head in Men in Black? That was a pretty uh, cute one, one, too. I think the one in Men in Black, because this one was like like um unconscious or deceased yeah, well, or that one was dying yeah this one is dead i guess yeah that's sort of a would you rather but we are putting the cart way before the horse here or the telescope before the freaky deaky messages because we have reached the end of season one of the x-files and the beginning of season two we've got a lot to cover not only recovering these two episodes but finally Finally, the Voyager spacecraft that is the feedback from all of you out there has finally arrived. We're going to be talking through some feedback from our previous episodes, as well as these two coming up. But Angela, you know, we're covering the first nine seasons in Toto, and we're already <laughs> through the first one. We are. How do you feel? I feel good. This, yeah? well, it, was, it was a good way. And let me also just put out here that we are going to be spoiling almost immediately the Erlenmeyer Flask, the season one finale, and Little Green Men, the season two premiere, as well as the previous episodes we watched. So please, if you haven't watched it yet, make sure you do before you yeah. dive any further here. And I also do think that through some aspects of us skipping around, by the time we've gotten to this, we may be spoiling things from season one, because okay. I will have to tell you. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't think it'll be like in... Uh, specific so 
Yeah, so... Just a warning. (laughs) We got a little taste of this, actually, in Fallen Angel, this looming threat over the head of Molly and Skulder that they're going to shut down Molly the Molly and Skulder. Molly and Skulder. It took me, I'm, I'm surprised it took me five weeks, honestly, yeah, to make it's that wild. malapropism. But it took, you know, a, a while between that threat and for it to finally come through. As you talked about last week, this will certainly not be the last time that this happens, but it felt pretty magnanimous. And I really liked watching these two episodes in a row because it wasn't as much of a part one and a part two as maybe I'm assuming other finales and premieres will be, but it still felt like spiritual successors to one another. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of how the X-Files rolls. It's either a part one or a part two, or it's something happens and then it continues in the season premiere, where sometimes that doesn't always happen with shows where it's kind of like two separate things. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how the events of the season finale track into the season premiere, particularly Mulder sort of letting his life go, letting his hair go. Letting his five o'clock shadow come in. In in a manner of speaking as well. And to see, uh, you know, where these two were at the very end of season one, Mm -hmm. where they were sort of at the top of their game in a manner of speaking, moving right into season two, where now they're scattered to the winds. And I'm assuming they're going to come back together at some point. You know, Little Green Men does not end with the X-Files coming back together. But I have to assume at some point it's going to happen. Yeah, and I will say that I am curious to hear from you as well how you feel about the Mulder and Scully relationship, because I Mm -hmm. do think that you've missed quite a bit Mm -hmm. um, from a building up of their, their sort of... I don't want to say, yeah, I guess their friendship and their camaraderie. The the care she shows for him in particular is something that tracks very interestingly, especially from that. It's very jarring in this episode from watching the pilot Mm -hmm. and then watching tombs and then watching fallen angel. It's like where she's kind of like out of it again. Yeah. Fallen angel where she's more so just there to kind of, capture him right she's, yeah. she's less so there as a support system and more so like, and she does seem like well a little skinner bit, told me to come grab you and she seems like more annoyed with him while she does sort of say like you know i'm with you like why don't you trust me you need to trust me but like in this episode it's very clear that she's like she's team molder and mm-hmm. like there's not much you can do to stop that and and he's team scully and you know while he's preoccupied with all this stuff they're they're in it together now and i think that that's really interesting and also i hope hope that you do watch the rest of season one at some point. At some point. And maybe, maybe down the line, if we find an opportunity to revisit X-Files episodes, I know there are quite a few season one that yes. you had pain cutting. Certainly our listeners out there. So much pain. We're sad to see. But hopefully we'll be able to cover up that pain maybe by the end of everything. Speaking of season one, Ange, I want to go through some feedback that our very intrepid listeners have mm-hmm. sent through. I want to <laughs> thank everybody for not only sending in feedback, but being along for the ride as well. I'm going to call out two People in particular, of course, we appreciate everyone who writes in. But I know Spencer Y and Munib are the two that have really done the yeoman's work here and looking up so much feedback and behind-the-scenes stuff, setting it in on a consistent basis. I'm putting those two names at the top of the podcast because we're going to be mentioning them a lot over the course of this one because they've sent in a lot of information and questions about the episode at hand. Uh, and speaking of, actually, let's start with the pilot. The main takeaway from the pilot talk, Angela, from a feedback perspective, <laughs> were the sunflowers. I scenes. know. I knew it was going to happen, too, because there's such a pivotal aspect of Mulder throughout the series that I think that it's not as touched upon, or maybe we didn't touch upon it as much as we could have, but 
Um, and I think it's also, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to say too much because mm-hmm. I was like, no, under the wire, uh, trying not to spoil too much. Yeah. You don't want other, to be a Mulder yes. listening in on the wire. Type. I you don't did get it. Caught so I appreciate our listeners coming in and, and finding the right way to talk about them without spoiling too much. And we did get even a question outside of the podcast answered. There do indeed seem to be flavored sunflower seeds. So they, yes. they do appear to be some sort of delicacy. I know Spencer basically said that the enjoyment really comes out of the act of cracking the shell with your teeth and extracting the seed. It's one of those things that you really have to work for. And then once you get to the meat of that nut, in a manner of speaking, that's where the joy Sounds lies. like a nightmare for me. Like yeah. the whole thing. I just don't, like you don't from, want to work for your food? No, not even that. But like, I don't want to be cracking anything with my teeth to then find the part that's good and spit out the other part. But then there's things all over the floor. Yeah. Nightmare Well, town. particularly when you're, when you're molder and you really don't care about the detritus mm, around you. No. And Carol also wrote in connecting the sunflowers back, sunflower seeds back to the character proper who's eating them. She said that Mulder eats sunflower seeds because he remembers hearing his dad cracking the shells at night night and finds the sound comforting oh yeah so we'll get a little bit into Mulder's home life coming up oh, yeah. in in little green man but i think that's an interesting thing that maybe despite him maybe having some resentment towards his parents at least right. from what i know about him this is something that he he did take with him yeah no i he had a there was some challenges there so <laughs> moving into our duo of squeeze and tomb spencer brought up an interesting thing we talked a bit about the opening sequence of course the the inimitable x-files theme and opening but one of the shots from the squeeze episode of Mulder and Scully breaking into Toom's apartment with their guns and flashlights drawn is used in the opening credits. Yeah. So I do find it interesting that outside of the usual clip art, freaky deaky stuff, they did actually throw in some stills from early episodes of the show. Oh, yeah, they did. I mean, there's and they do that thing where it's like slow mo kind of like, I guess it's like a cop show thing or it's like I, I can like picture in my head. I don't know. What it's called I'm not a cinematographer at all. But it's like where it's like dun, dun, like the flashes of the the um You're thinking like the Law and Order opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. And um they do that a few times in the opening. Munip- Which is why it's so funny when they don't update this opening for like seven seasons. Monique points out that in the writing of this episode, James Wan and Glenn Morgan were inspired by Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm, who I know mm-hmm. you have I wouldn't say an obsession with, but definitely an interest in over the past couple of years. Well, I guess I kind of I listened to the podcast Unobscured, mm-hmm. which did an entire season on Jack the Ripper. And it's more from a historical lens than anything. You would find it a very boring. But basically, he said that much like we talked about how, you know, when Chris Carter was in Europe and he was in foie gras and he said, oh, it'd yes. be interesting if a, if a mutant ate someone's liver. They looked at a large ventilator shaft outside their office and basically looked at it and said, what if we were working here late at night and some guy came through that thing? So I do love... It's wild to me because, like, I tend to think that way as well. Like, I'll, I'll be, like, kind of like, what if that sort of happened? Like, mm-hmm. what if this would happen? Like, you just kind of are, like, walking around and thinking. And they have the ability to take that and make it into, like, this amazing, like, television show. Yeah, exactly. You're able to take your worst nightmares that, you know, end up drudging in the shadows of your imagination and bring them to life to freak people out for years to come. Yeah, it's like when you're going into the attic and you're like, I hope there's not a murderer up here. So Spencer points out something. (laughs) ran right by that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. From the last scene of the episode that I think will interestingly compare to the two episodes we're going to talk about today, where basically he says... 
you can infer from the final scene of Tombs that Skinner and the Smoking Man will pull strings behind the scenes to keep Mulder and Scully gainfully employed, but preoccupied with X-File cases while doing nefarious things to further his own mysterious agenda. Pardon the pun, but the Smoking Man's master plans are a real, quote-unquote, slow burn, Mm -hmm. which I find contrast, though, to the end of Little Green Men, which we'll talk about, where you have the cigarette-smoking man seemingly trying to bring down the axe on Mulder, taunting him that you are nothing, your time here is done. Well, and you have to remember that he's a he's a human being. So he... He is? Uh, yes, he is a human being. Spoiler. Um, cigarette-smoking man is, is not an alien, but he is somebody who... He has his own thoughts and agendas outside of the... I guess you can say conspiracies, thoughts and agendas mm-hmm. as well. And you'll find this out. And this is what I was talking about. How am I going to explain things without spoiling just a little bit? But you'll find some things out later in the series that how he connects to Mulder and Mulder's family and Mulder's parents and sort of the larger conspiracy that maybe happened in the past. And I do have some of those episodes on our list. But mm-hmm. um, I think that that is affecting his relationship with him in this in at the end of little green men more than anything it's it's not necessarily that he's like um you know coming down on him with the fist of the conspiracy but he's you know he was using him Mm -hmm. and now he's not (laughs) so touching on fallen angel for a hot second angela let's talk about plot armor because Spencer <laughs> points out that we have seen a good number of episodes where Mulder essentially is right in the crosshairs of a killer, yet Mulder is able to get off the hook. First, you have two oh, man, where basically yeah. he sneaks into Mulder's apartment and could kill him in his sleep. <laughs> and then in Fallen Angel, you have this predator alien basically in that warehouse with Max and Mulder decides to just take Max. Yeah, and, and Mulder doesn't Mulder. get like burned alive. Yeah. So is this a, is this a commonality that I should experience just because of oh, due, yeah. to the, due to keeping these two characters <laughs> in the show or trying to throughout the, the the entire time that they're going to receive maybe in this case a burn or an allergic reaction, but for the most part they're going to avoid any major physical harm. Oh, well, I wouldn't say that. I think that there are some instances where. Um, not just Mulder, but Scully are put in the crosshairs in some pretty serious ways. And those are some really one of some of the best episodes. Mm -hmm. But I will say, yeah, if you think about it, coming at it from a lens in 2021, you know how many seasons that Mulder is in. Right. It's easy to sort of say, yes, this is plot armor. Like you can. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to die. He's Mulder. Right. (laughs) But that's also going to inform a lot of what we're about to get into with the Erlenmeyer flask, where Chris Carter, I know, very much wanted to show, yeah, Mulder and Scully might be safe, but literally anyone around them is not. Yeah. And Mulder and Scully are safe for now, too. And it's like, Mm -hmm. he he kind of expands upon that, too. I mean, I think in, in future seasons, you'll see it's like they're safe to an extent. Like, especially psychologically. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the season one finale and we'll pipe in some more feedback throughout as well. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the Erlenmeyer flask. And we open, I mean, you're talking about SVU. We're starting on an intense. Yeah. This is like, I think here. we talked about speed in the one of the other episodes mm-hmm. we were talking about, but this was like very much so in that 90s action adventure type of movie vibe. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a car chase. They're. Yeah. There's cars, there's trains, there's cops, there's, there's guns, there's, there's green trains blood. And automobiles, <laughs> there's no planes to be seen at the moment. But yeah, cars are soaring over hills, ruining their suspension system. I do like how the cops have to announce <laughs> after the fact, this is the police. This as in, is the police. As in, who else is this going to be? But the guy on the run 
is a man that we'll find out is what Mr. Sakare, I believe. He's Dr. William yeah, Sakare. Is, is what his name is, but he's, he's wearing the dubious little cream color sweater. He looks like Judge Reinhold's character from the Santa Claus. Neil? Yeah, he does look like Neil. He's got like little curly hair and a nice doobie sweater. And he, though, proves that wardrobe is simply skin deep because once he actually gets captured by the cops he doesn't get captured he gets shot well at first though he the cops oh, do him cornered and then he grabs a nightstick and just wallops on them he's basically outnumbered about four to one is able to escape he gets tased doesn't work get shot doesn't get hurt at least we think at the moment and he jumps in the water and like you said we get this ominous close-up on a couple of splotches of green blood indicating this man is or was far from human yeah, and this was wild to me because I kind of forgot that this was the introduction of um, the green blood. And I, don't, I I say that meaning for us watching this. I can't remember if it happened earlier in season one, but the introduction for you, for sure. For me, I was like, oh, yeah, he's green, green blood. No big yeah. deal. I mean, green blood, I've, I've seen it in other cases. No, but so. in the X-Files, like you will see a lot of green blood. And it's like something that will happen a lot. And I think that it's something that, you know, this is the beginning of a pretty long arc. Mm-hmm. Um, if not series long. Um, and so I think watching you go, oh, oh, that blood is green. It was fun for me. <laughs> so we end up going back to, again, the place that Toombs could have killed Mulder, Mulder's apartment. He is watching what seems to be, I didn't look it up, some sort of movie about lava and Iceland. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> talking about science. And then basically Mulder gets a call from Deep Throat here, who's going to be, there's a lot of Deep Throat. We're going deep on Deep Throat in this episode mm-hmm. as he basically tips Mulder off saying, hey, you want to tune on the news? And, oh, Oh, it's just a, a warming 90s throwback, Angela, popping a tape into the VCR oh, to yeah. record something happening live. Yeah, this was a lot for me. I mean, I did this uh, with Power Rangers a lot. Mm-hmm. We did this. Yeah, so pretty uh, pretty nostalgic. Yeah, absolutely. And Glad then, we're past it, though. Well, yeah, well, there was the art of, you know, then compositing multiple things. Like, if you got those blank video yes. tapes that were five mm-hmm. hours long, it was, okay, I could put two movies on here or maybe an episode of something else, then you'd have to write it on the label and then cross out the label when you taped over it. So it was a whole art. Waste not, want not when it came to blank tape. So I can only assume what chintzy B-movie Mulder taped over as basically he's watching what the the police being interviewed yeah. about everything that happened on the shipyard. And he, he freeze frames on this group of pretty seedy looking individuals yeah uh by a car yeah basically asking you know who are these people this is where we also get like you said while scully is showing more care towards Mulder by the end of season one she is not trusting of deep throat whatsoever no and i i think fair i mean and we even see in the the last episode we watched fallen angel that like he shouldn't really be trusted you know from Mm -hmm. from our process perspective just because he's somebody who is playing both sides and i think you know whether or not that's the truth it's it's what we saw and i think scully also felt that you know considering that like they've gotten information from him that yes has been true but has led them in a really bad direction well a really confusing direction because all deep throat has done is 
I mean, Mulder is going to compare him to Obi-Wan Kenobi later on, but he's more Yoda-like in <laughs> yeah. just sort of spouting out little crumbs of proverbs and then saying, okay, Mulder, here's a crumb of bread. Go ahead and make an entire loaf yeah. of trying to extrapolate stuff from little pieces of information. Even Mulder at this point, it says, I have no idea what the hell I'm supposed to find right now. Well, and I think like Deep Throat also is, he just keeps saying that like, this is going to help Mulder reveal the truth, but in no point has he said what that truth is. Mm-hmm. I, like, and there's no specifics ever. And I think that's where Scully gets really like caught up is that she's feeling like, I don't know what the truth is. So reveal, what are we revealing? Do we want to reveal it? Like, what's happening yeah so basically after getting turned away at the shipyard after Mulder does a pretty terrible job of lying claiming oh yeah this is an FBI matter because oh it's a federal fugitive and the, mm-hmm. and the captain points out well nobody knows that nobody knows who this guy is he escaped yeah they, they basically get kicked out of the shipyard but Mulder does notice that not only has the car been swapped from the one that's claimed to have been stolen for the the sake of this chase but it has a caduceus mm-hmm. on it, which people might recognize as that that symbol. Well, the original with, car had a caduceus Exactly, on it. with the two snakes uh, around the staff. It's often, you know, if you're a doctor and you're repping your brand, you often put, put the caduceus sticker on. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think a lot of doctors also have MD plates now, but whatever. I guess, is that, was that more of a tenet of the 90s then, was instead of those custom medical license plates, just stick the caduceus on? Yeah, and then cops won't pull you over because you're a doctor. Or is that more of like a baby on board thing? I think it's like, they, it's kind of like if a cop were to pull you over and see that, they know you were a doctor, so mm-hmm. you might not get your ticket. <laughs> Which is interesting because that caduceus could span a lot of scientific <laughs> yeah. endeavors, because we're going to meet, you know, this doctor here. At yeah, the so MJ they tie the license plate to Dr. Terrence Baruby. Baruby? which you love um who is working um as a scientist doing some experiments in uh maryland which is convenient yeah he's doing a lot of animal testing we go a lot outside the fbi in this episode we We go to georgetown and we go to the mgen corporation so we're really showing the greater maryland virginia area over the course yeah well and i do think that the fbi headquarters is not just where the fbi operates i do think there's a lot of like medical and scientific experimental type things happening within these governments government agencies so perhaps this was part of that i do love dr baruby because he's so, <laughs> he's OTT so annoying about his work he's gonna tell moldy and solar no if excuse me moldy I, have and more, I keep happening i love it he's gonna tell them if, if you excuse me i have more work than time <laughs> and then later on when he eventually gets killed he goes oh please my work is very important i must do my work yeah like the actor is not i mean Sorry to this actor, wasn't convincing to me. Like, I don't think it helps that every other line has to do with his work. Yeah, you know? well, I think it's supposed to show. They're definitely telling, not showing here with um, the I, I have very important work. Like they might as well just put it in neon flashing exactly. lights. If you have to say it, you're overcompensating for yeah. something. Maybe he's filling his life with work or maybe he just loves monkeys yeah so he's doing some kind of experiment on monkeys where he's injecting them with stuff and i got i mean i think scully was actually kind of being a jerk here with trying to like tap on the cage i could i don't know if she was being a jerk but she was being like pretty naive about like you walk into an experimental room with animals in cages like do you really want to stick your finger in there i just think in general i wonder if she was the type of kid who went to the zoo and would tap on the cages you know it's it's an innocuous thing to do but i think she was tapping i thought she was like trying to stick her finger in and be like hey little monkey I mean that's also not a great idea because you don't like, think you would you don't think I would do that if I saw a monkey in a room. I think you would have more sense than to stick your finger in the cage. 
maybe. For all you know, this monkey could be injected with super speed rabies that allows it to come in over and bite Instead, your finger Instead, he's, in, he's injected with purity control. Yeah, so we'll find this out Steve later. Teen spirit. That this was the, yes, it's the chastity belt, I yeah. suppose. Maybe that was his work is actually the purity control because it's you know, staved away those impulses to do other things. No, in my understanding, purity control is like the the word control. It's mm-hmm. the control in the experiment. Oh, gotcha. So I think was thinking more so purity control. You're thinking purity control. Yeah, like that it's like the experiment, this is the control. I will say, though, later on we'll find out that when Scully actually infiltrates the place where the fetus is being stored, that's going to be the password. This That's is w- the perfect DNA. Yeah, but this is one step removed from putting your password on a sticky note. Yeah, that was a little wild. Monitor. I mean, we're gonna get into, we're gonna password shame later on. But Here we still, are, <laughs> Baruby. I guess you loved your now work that password. much that you want to keep it on the bottom of a flask that is around the place, but. I don't know. Maybe there are better places to keep your passwords. I doubt that he's the person leading this. He's probably, like, hired by somebody. But anyway, <laughs> see you later, Baroobs. Yeah, so Baroobs, we're going to say goodbye to him for now. This is where Scully really, I mean, it's a wild monkey chase, not necessarily a wild goose chase. I did mm-hmm. find it funny here that Scully tells Mulder off and then walks off in a huff into the bathroom. Yeah. That's a, that's an odd thing. If you're going to storm off... Maybe she didn't know where she was going. <laughs> so she didn't see the thing on the yeah. door. Just, oh, damn it. Of all the things to d- walk off in a huff and make a big dramatic exit, I don't want to do it into the can. Yeah, yeah. So if you excuse me, I've got to tinkle. <laughs> well, you know what? Girl Scout do what a Girl Scout do. But Deep Throat decides to show off after, I suppose, Scully's bathroom break. Again, we talked about this, where it basically says, listen... I'm giving you all I can. I'm sorry. I'm just talking in riddles. And Mulder, I mean, I think it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of a foreshadowing that he compares him to Obi-Wan Kenobi because we know what happened to Obi-Wan in episode four in a very similar way, introduced as the wise, old, mysterious mentor, Mm -hmm. ends up getting struck down. And hopefully this means that Mulder can be the Luke Skywalker and able to use his teachings to rise up more powerful than ever before. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) so as Mulder confronts his dependency on deep throat as we talked about Barubi gets visited here by a guy in a crew cut I have been in did you do some research I I did some research and so the guy who plays I believe his name is just like crew cut guy yeah his name is crew cut guy or the cleaner is another name for him the cleaner so basically, this is played by a man named Lindsay Ginter, who I would know the lost appearances keep on keeping on on <laughs> Lost because he played Kate Austin's dad, Sam Austin, one of the better dads in Lost. Uh, those are probably these are probably the two biggest roles he's most known for are the ro- role of this crew cut guy and uh, Sam Austin, who himself fashioned a crew cut when he was in the army. Can I ask this whole cleanup crew thing? Do they? keep appearing because it's clear they're sort of the antagonists um, in this episode you know yeah. Scully's very much afraid of them in well there's always some kind of I don't, it's not you'll see this guy one more time I don't think we're going to watch the episode that he's in but mm-hmm. Scully does recognize him and says like like, and he's there to clean up like alien detritus or whatever but there the cleanup crew theme does reoccur from time to time there's always going to be somebody who doesn't want the truth to get out there and in and their task is to just like get rid of everybody who's mm-hmm. seen it, get rid of all the evidence. Like you, I mean, even in the first episode, the pilot, right. they like burn down the, the 
freaking motel. Like, yeah, I mean, and in Fallen Angel, we saw there was an entire team dispatched the reclamation project. Right, yeah. So they're a little bit different than this guy. I think this guy is more like government agency wise, mm-hmm. but yeah, it it'll it's an ongoing theme, unfortunately. <laughs> and we do see before we get Baruby's death here that the police they've scouted the entire underwater area and they say, Okay, this guy, I don't know where mm-hmm. he went, but let's just give up. And it turns out that no He's been lurking there for probably about a day or so. Yep, right? just hanging out. So, Baruby, R.I.P. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. his work. Well, his they make work. it look like a suicide because it's like, uh, gotta make sure that like they're covering their tracks yeah, and so all that. Yeah, so he, he what, uh, apparently hung himself with gauze, and as Mulder so timely puts, he pulled a Greg Luganus oh, God, out the window. Yeah. I feel like Greg Luganus is probably about five or so years removed mm-hmm. at this point. So. And like, very far removed from where we are now. Like, very much <laughs> so. But I do, I mean, I guess if you have to make a re- reference to a diver, I guess that's yeah. the one, if you have to. But right. Dr. Baruby, we find out that he was a bit more interesting because of his underlying mm-hmm. work than in his life. Dr. Baruby was working on the Human Genome Project. Yeah, so I, this was a kind of, they, they do this from time to time in the X-Files, but they'll say like, um, are you familiar with the Human Genome Project? And they'll like, then they'll like, Wikipedia define it for you. Yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> yeah, it seems like between that and things like... Like it, more scientific based. Yeah, things like Voyager in the mm-hmm. next episode. I do really like... Which their, is good. Their ability to, then- yeah, to, to combine real life things, yes. and especially in a time where the internet was, as we see on the show, quite antiquated. Yeah. You want to just spell that out for your listeners and your viewers, and to have it connect to something in real life, I think is a really cool idea, too. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, they their use of the Human Genome Project here, and specifically... Um, gene splicing mm-hmm. is pretty cool, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, I I enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah. So with with this huge like human genome project, so I wasn't sure was this that Baruby was part of it previously and yes. then left to do his own stuff. So this wasn't part of the and, human and genome we don't, project. No, this is not part of the human genome project. But it's like theoretically they've maybe recruited people from that to handle this because mm-hmm. they have experience and understanding of human genetics, which is right. necessary to, you know, spoiler alert, splice alien DNA yeah. in with human DNA and create human alien hybrids. Right. So I wonder if this was a thing where Baruby was recruited from. Yeah, this, or I did- think more so that I don't think this was like Baruby's life work. No, because he was so obsessed with his work. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, I think he was, but I don't think it was something that he like found out on his own. Like he was clearly recruited. So Mulder is still kind of bringing Scully wrong for the ride, right? She's still skeptical mm-hmm. about all this, but she says, OK, this is interesting. And in true Scully and Mulder fashion. I feel split like, up. <laughs> yeah, they split up and do things their own way. So Scully's going to go the scientific route, right? She takes the Erlenmeyer flask, the eponymous Erlenmeyer flask, purity control to Georgetown to get looked at. And Mulder's just going to break into the dead man's house. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Let's go find out what Baruby's got going on at home. And so he goes in and he basically finds keys for storage facility. He also like answers the phone while he's at Baruby's house, yeah, which was and, like wild to me. On, I guess, I guess, you know, Dr. Sakare is not of sound mind at the no, moment. he's concerned. been on the run in he's, underwater he's, for three days. He's so. bleeding out of many orifices, but Mulder doesn't even try to disguise his voice. He's no. Like, yep, it's me, Dr. Baruby. I don't sound like David Duchovny whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they find out, um, I guess, like, this guy tells him that, you know, he's in trouble, he needs help, where is he? And before he can answer, the crew cut man gets him. 
Yeah, basically. Uh, well, he's currently hurting from the gunshots, and he just sort of passes out in a phone booth, and mm-hmm. Mulder doesn't know what he is because he's in a, at a payphone right now. But right. while this is happening, Kruka guy is pulling up in a mm-hmm. nondescript van in the background and is happening to listen in on. Oh yeah, Mulder's I forgot he got taken away in a uh, ambulance, and they like. Right. We'll t- we'll yeah. talk about that in a bit about how he ends up attacking them. But Mulder is also going to get a call because he's able to. Well, he finds an address, I think, in Baruby's logs, and he basically calls it in, and then he gets uh, a tip-off to that storage facility. Yes. You made a note that Mulder, true to his character, pretty terrible handwriting. Very terrible. Like but space chicken scratch. Yeah, he's also just, I think, um, uh, you know, making sure that he, um, you know, is something that, it, it's something that he can just jot down really quickly. Like, I don't think he was putting a lot of effort into it, but whatever. <laughs> so, Sakare is in the ambulance. I don't know, because I have not been in many ambulances, to be lucky quite honest, ducky. that I didn't know that paramedics, this one in particular, has seemed to have a headset on, and he seemed to be communicating mm. with some sort of doctor, doctor. about yeah. what's happening. I didn't realize that was a It thing. depends. I mean, it depends on like the emergency services that you're getting. If it's a, like a true paramedic from a hospital, maybe they're a bit more trained. If it's somebody that's just EMS services, they're usually connected to somebody, so there's mm. it depends, but... Um, this isn't like completely like out of the ordinary. I don't know how it works nowadays, but back yeah. then I think that's how it was done. I'm assuming you, uh, you text them. Yeah, exactly. Them. Maybe there's like, yeah, exactly. Some sort of like video feed, which would be cool. Yeah. But, uh, the, here are the mobile men. I do like the doctor's going to repeat this over and over again as they get besieged by the gas. I do mm-hmm. like the term mobile men. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, you know, those progressive commercials with yeah. like an entire team and they did that with T-Mobile, you know, yeah. presenting the mobile men. The mobile men. Paramedics. <laughs> or maybe mobile gas stations. Anyway, they are told that he needs a de- needle decompression to, like, release fluid or whatever, and they stick a needle right in him, and out of the needle comes some fluffy, oozy green blood. Yeah, and also with the green blood... So I was a bit confused about this. Is it that the green blood releases some sort of burning gas? Yeah. Is it that he released some No, no, gas? it's the blood. Okay. It's the blood. So sometimes even if, like, it, it's on the ground in front of you, you might get, like, burned by it. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Cause that was- I will be honest with you, sometimes the mythology around the blood throughout the X-Files changes, and sometimes it burns, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> I can imagine that. Well, that's the thing as well. When you brought up the green blood, I was wondering... It burns when it's convenient does to the it, story. Maybe, maybe it's just that all aliens have green blood, but depending on the species, the, the type well, of side effects of the blood change. M- maybe, but we're only dealing... This is also an alien-human hybrid, so yeah. the alien-human hybrids have green blood. Yeah, but essentially... Who's to say what the aliens have? It seems like the green blood releases some sort of, I would say, at least burning and possibly deadly gas. I don't know what happened to the to the mobile men. It, in in future episodes, people do die, so yeah, Mulder, I guess Yes, he doesn't. Fox Mulder. He just gets real puffy. Yeah, he just gets real puffy. <laughs> so if we find out that Barubi, essentially what's in the Erlenmeyer flask is a bacteria... That contains a virus that yes. utilizes plant cells. Basically, this guy was using gene therapy. And Scully basically yeah. implies that, okay, this means that this stuff might be going back all the way to the beginning of human evolution. Well, and what's wild is that they're talking about gene therapy here as like very experimental and like just recently like coming onto the field as something to be used and like will be used in the future to help um any kind of disease and mm-hmm. cure cure a lot of different things. And even nowadays, if you do a little research on it, like, and believe me, I am not a doctor calling Leona Boris, 
but she would actually probably know a lot about this. Yeah, because it was uh, considering, I think, her line of work. Her line of work, very yeah. Much in her territory. And I think that there are there are even FDA-approved drugs now that are, like, gene therapy-based in re- their research and development, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Let's go to the storage facility here. Let's go to Zeus <laughs> let's go. storage. And let's find Angela... Some humans in fish tanks. Yeah, you were all freaked out. You didn't know what it's to do. Weird. It was I, very Matrix. I will. It was very Matrix. I'll admit my mind, just because of the way I, I take in a lot of pop culture, did wander to, okay, how did they pull this off? These poor people, were these actual people sitting in the fish tanks? How were they able to breathe? Did they have to hold their breath? For what did you find push? out? I didn't find out anything. Oh, okay. So I maybe mean, someone will look that yeah, up. Yeah, maybe somebody can let us know how that works in the movies. But I imagine it's just people holding their breath floating. <laughs> yeah, I, or just using, I don't know, actually, the, the budget might have been low enough for season one that I don't know if they're constructing all of these, you know, six or so cadavers to put in all these fish tanks. No, they're definitely not using cadavers. Ew. But it's weird. They're just, and the guy moves. Yeah, the guy, one of them does move, but it's freaking. Because they're like in, they're, they're in, in stasis. In, no, they're in like um, uh, amniotic fluid. They're they they're growing them. So mm-hmm. at this point, they're almost fully grown. But they probably started as like babies. Or well, because well, we're going to find out later on that there were what six people mm-hmm. who were humans and their DNA was altered to yeah, help. They volunteered because they were dying. So are these not those people? No, these are those people. Okay, so they're not necessarily being born. No, I guess they're being born again. Uh, right yeah no i mean maybe they are these maybe there's them in addition but i don't think they're growing the human alien hybrids right yet. this is not like growing from, sorry yeah, yeah, not yeah. Like a that was confusing adult yeah i mean i guess maybe that happens future in the series so mm-hmm. i don't i don't remember i'm sorry well the georgetown doctor informs we get some exposition here some 10th grade biology about the four nucleotides mm-hmm, do you remember mm-hmm. the four nucleotides angela no <laughs> i remember it's a t and c and g i want to say it's like Cytosine, guanine, thorine, 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 oakenshield, thorine, oakenshield, and doo doo, and doo doo. Yeah, the <laughs> big. Guess what, everybody? We're made out of poop. Right. That's our the it's revelation. Not untrue. It's not untrue. Yeah, I think you know from a certain perspective. But the big deal is that. So I said no. I was like, I'm not even going to try. This flask Don't embarrass myself. doesn't contain four nucleotides, but six. Yeah, so. A bonus two. I do remember that nucleotides are in pairs. Right, so it's A, T, and C, and G. Yeah, so there's the pairs, and then there now there's an additional pair of nucleotides. And this doctor flat out says, what you are looking at, it exists nowhere in nature. Yeah. It would have to be, by its very definition, extraterrestrial. And really, this is like, Scully can run nowhere else. Yeah. Some, a person from science, has literally told yeah. her this is extraterrestrial. Also, this lady looks super familiar. Did you see who it was? No, I didn't. Oh, me neither. <laughs> Good job, us. So Excellent podcasting. It's, just, uh, it's always fun. You know what she looked like? She looked like Janice from Friends, but I don't think it's that Ooh, imagine if it was. I don't think it's her. But yeah, I think, you know, she'll, she gets killed in a car accident later, but maybe her family kills her for her annoying laugh. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, this is this is a big deal for Scully. I think this is really a big breaking point for her to realize, okay, even when I go down the path of science, mm-hmm. there are things that go beyond explainable phenomena. Yeah, and I think this exists in our day in our world today. I mean, you have to think back to like um, you know, times before we found out about things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's scientific discovery has been happening forever, so who's to say that it's not just another aspect of our scientific discovery to find extraterrestrial stuff. Yeah, and Scully's going to even go on to apologize to Mulder, right? She says, I, I hold science as sacred. For the first time in my life, I don't know what to believe. Yeah. That's a big thing from someone who came in 
I know, was, I know exactly what to believe. Yeah. The truth is in the science. Blah, now, blah, granted, blah, blah, blah. it was that was twenty three episodes ago, but still, that's a. I mean, she's essentially changing her entire belief system over the course of an entire. Season. To an extent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I is, mean, and I think that's the that's the appeal of the X Files is that I think that it has these like really compelling characters and its front especially scully i think where this constant struggle of like is it you know like what is true and how do you define it so as she says all that though perhaps she was a bit too preemptive yeah (laughs) because as they're walking through the storage facility because Mulder saw this and then the next day he sort of yeah he's like i gotta bring everyone back to see this gotta check this out where was his big camera then oh man then the big flash bulb but go figure here we are it's been cleaned out. The cleaning crew has been there. And what's more, Deep Throat is is there basically saying, You're too late. Sorry, suckers. This ended up already getting cleaned out. You're at another dead end. Yeah. Which is so frustrating because like, clearly he knew it was happening. And he couldn't just give them a little heads up. Yeah. <laughs> so now finally, this guy's coming clean. I think Deep Throat yeah. expresses that basically he didn't realize, I guess, how quickly the cleaning yes. crew... Would be. Well, and I think that does give an explanation to how, like, how back and forth he's been and both sides he's been playing. Like, mm-hmm. I think he felt like he could be a little bit more languid in his, like, what he tells Mulder, when he tells Mulder stuff. But, like, clearly it's above him and it's beyond him. Essentially, he's playing a game of, like, civilization. And he realized that one civilization is growing much quicker than the other one yeah. to avoid major invasion, to make this a fair fight. Now he's like, here's the expo dump. Let's tell you everything that's going mm-hmm. on. Baruby was making, was doing his work, uh, was basically creating human alien hybrids. He was killed because his work was too successful. Dr. Sakari was a cancer patient who was essentially injected with alien DNA. And as a result, he's, I'm assuming, cancer free and also has inhuman strength yes. and can also breathe underwater. Yes. And I guess the question that we are supposed to have and that I always thought here was like, well, they obviously hired Dr. Baruby because how would he get this alien DNA? But then he was too successful. Like, they just wanted him to, like, play with it a little. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe it's, it's this idea of we're going to hold you on a short leash, right? Do what we want you right. to do. But I guess but he got carried away too much. Then we're going to not, you know, you have the chance of breaking off that leash. The dog has gotten too big. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. So now the hunt is on to find Dr. Sakari, essentially. Yeah, basically, Deep Throat was like, you got to go find some more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> because he's the last shred of evidence, yeah. basically, to prove that this conspiracy, because as well, the trail of the science is going nowhere because the Georgetown doctor and apparently her entire family yeah, they did. are dead. Yeah, they don't specifically say her entire family was dead, but they do say that she's dead and they were all in a car accident. I so. mean, that would be majorly methodical planning on the part of the queen yeah. to kill specifically her and not the rest of the family that was in the car accident. Well, I don't think that... I, I think they just planned to kill everyone that was in the car accident. Who knows if somebody survived? So, Mulder... Where where does he go? Whose attic is he in? Um, Attic? When does this happen? This, this is when he try, he finds Dr. Sakari in someone's attic. Maybe it's Dr. Baruby's attic? Yeah, it's probably Dr. Baruby's house is what I understood. So, because Sakari, I guess, confided in Baruby, despite the fact that he didn't know what his voice sounded like on the phone. And, and <laughs> right. so he's Because Baruby was helping him escape. Right. And so, and Baruby also performed the experiment on Sakari. Yeah. There was more so confidants in that regard. And mm-hmm. so Mulder cautiously approaches him, but uh-oh, crew cut guy is yeah. here. And basically, he Sakare is dead, and the he has a gas mask on because the blood starts oozing, and David Duchovny does not look at his best with his eyes and lips just all. No, poppy. no, it's like it's 
I don't want to say it's bad makeup, but it's like it's it's like well done, but it's disgusting. It's well done in a way that yeah, it makes it look really palpable. Yeah, it's, like, it's oh, gross. That must suck. I mean, luckily Looks he's like not he got dead. stung by a bunch of bees. Essentially, yeah. So it's odd. It's it's not an outright. I think it it's like swells a, a you up. Reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it depends on the person, maybe. But um, anyway, he gets taken. The crew cut man takes him away. Yeah, and so now. It's the unlikely allies of Deep Throat and Scully mm-hmm. working together as Deep Throat basically says, well, Mulder's not going to be killed because he's too high profile. That's the good news. The bad news is she of little faith. You have to know now infiltrate this facility, not as yourself, though she signs in as herself yes. to get the original <laughs> tissue back because that. I was lying. That is the final piece of evidence. Yeah. He's like, before he said, there's nothing. You have to go find this guy. That's it. Oh, wait, I forgot about the little alien baby. That's what it always is, right? Like, they just say, oh, it's just a small deal. It's like what we do with Asher when I say, I want to say just one more time. I just have to do it one more time when I'm like blowing his nose or I'm brushing his teeth. It's interesting, right? Because Deep Throat sort of has that parenting style. Not to say that that Mulder is necessarily a child, but I think in that way of guidance, he is really trying to lead him along with... Like, I promise, it'll it's, just be one more time. It's a carrot, but Mulder never reaches the carrot, and he says, no, 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 there's a carrot. Just, there's just a carrot, you wait. That's don't the ca- you worry. Oh, I'm lying, that wasn't the carrot, that was a piece of wood painted orange. Now this, this is the real carrot, Mulder. That's a very good, astute um, understanding of the X-Files. <laughs> so Scully does get into... The the, the yeah, she looks like she's holding her breath the whole time. If I was that guy and that security guard, like she looks very suspicious. Well, she almost gets held up here. She's able to swipe in with the card that yes. Deep Throat gets her, but she gets held up and asks for a password, and she just pulls purity control out of her butt. And yeah, was what able was she going to gonna do if that was wrong? I, I thought for a second she was, and she just get turned away. And then yeah. that's, I don't know. She'd have to go the Mulder route and just break in. But she's able to get in. The security guard really doesn't turn the other way. Maybe he just feels like all these scientific types are just seedy yeah. in general. But not only was it the password, but it's also the label. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so Scully finds the original tissue. And it's contained within the wee little itty bitty frozen yeah, alien. Yeah, little baby. And so Scully's going to do, speaking of a special delivery, she's going to take the little baby and she's going to meet up with Deep Throat. But this is where, speaking of another type of leash, that's where this gets yanked back, right? Because she says, okay, I did all this. I played the part, but I'm not going to give you this to make the trade. I'm going to be the one to do it because I don't trust you. And Deep Throat kind of goes off the deep end right now right he starts listing off things like uh here's this thing where a bunch of kids got inoculated with alien dna back in 1987 i know all this stuff that you don't give me the parcel Mm -hmm. yeah he's basically like knows that scully doesn't trust him and is like getting frustrated with it yeah and i mean i guess in retrospect was he right because i i mean if he had indeed had the parcel uh, or he does take the parcel. He takes the parcel, but it's unclear whether or not the Scully... I, I think she did just give it to him, but it would have been smart for her to give him like a fake parcel. That's what I, that's what I thought initially, was that she would have done that to double-cross him. I don't think so. Him. I think she just gives it to him. Well, but then- she, she takes him at his word or at his throat, and here comes the cleanup crew. Scully observes, crew cut man gets out, meets up with Deep Throat, shoots him point-blank... And yeah. then just sort of kicks Mulder out of the van. Kicks and Mulder out of the van, takes the parcel, goes. <laughs> and as Scully runs over, Deep Throat's final words, I'm assuming in the series, unless there's some weird time travel cloning shenanigans, are, trust no one. Yeah. 
And I believe, I know this was talked about, I think, by Spencer, that there are some moments when usually the opening credit says the truth is out there. Yes. Sometimes it skews that. Else. And I guess in this episode, I didn't notice it, but this says, trust no one. Yeah, I wasn't watching that so, part. I guess Sorry. I should pay attention <laughs> yeah. to... I forgot that it does that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll pay attention from now on to when the tagline changes, because I can imagine that, that indicates a very special episode of The X-Files. Yeah, yeah, some of those more like... uh like significant to the story ones. I know that Munib brought up that Chris Carter wanted to kill Deep Throat before it got stale. Yeah. Uh, to basically find out like Mulder was receiving info from the secret informant. I guess we should, we can memorialize Deep Throat here. I know I only know him for a couple of episodes, <laughs> yeah. but I really trust Munib's point about how it felt like this was a nice thing to sort of lead Mulder along, maybe some, some deceptive trails in the first season but mm-hmm. I would see how this could get very tiresome after yeah. a long time. No, it's true. And I think that it, I, I'm not a big fan of the Deep Throat character. It's, I find it very annoying. And I think there's, in the future, also um, some kind of character that is similar to this. And it's an ongoing like trope, I think. And I always find them just to be a little trite. I really do like, though, this message of trust no one. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I love that it was shown in the opening. Because it really does embolden this thing. And this idea that Chris Carter puts forward of, okay, we it's been 24 episodes. You think you know the reality of the X-Files? Nope. No, 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 no. You are at the tip of the iceberg, my friends. Even yeah. characters that you think are going to be around for a while will die. Characters that you think are on their side are not. You should really keep and your things, guard up at And all characters times. that you think are not on their side are. Yeah. And I can imagine that that really informs not only Mulder's mania, but sort of the fans' mania as the series goes along of, okay, who can I really trust? Well, and to this day, I couldn't tell you if aliens on the X-Files are real, or mm-hmm. are they a government conspiracy, or are they part real? You know, it's like, to this day, I still feel some sort of confusion about what the X-Files was at, like in its like entirety. So nearly two weeks later, here it is. The X-Files is being shut down. Seems like someone from above finally put in the complaint. It was the straw that broke that camel's back full of straws. Yeah, Mulder just calls Scully and says, um, Scully, we're being shut down. See you later. Bye. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> attitude, to your point. Scoldy and... Scoldy. Scoldy. That's even a new one. <laughs> well, like Scully in this moment is... That's like their couple name. She's very protesting. Because I guess she was the second one to find out about this. news. She says, well, yes. no, what? They can't do that. Mulder is surprisingly complacent. He just yes. sort of says it is what it is. I can imagine this is something he has been preparing for mm-hmm. for a long time. But he is defiant a bit in that he does say, well, you know what? I won't give up as long as the truth is out there. Yeah, it, it's. I think that he's dejected in a way that he wasn't dejected previously. And mm-hmm. now he's feeling like, okay, you know... The truth is out there. I'm not going to give up, but I'm definitely not where I was a few episodes ago. <laughs> so Muneeb said, actually, behind the scenes that the major major motivation to put in the storyline mm-hmm. of closing the X-Files was to accommodate production around Gillian Anderson's pregnancy. Yeah, th- I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but there were a lot of tropes in this episode specifically. I did not. That that were like hiding, you know. She's wearing a lot of long coats. There's I was a noticing, lot of, yeah. yeah. She really was rocking the the, the long trench coat. Yeah, trench coat. The she's only, always she's behind desks a lot. No, the like, only piece of wardrobe I really noticed was when she was wearing that sort of Annie Hall esque black vest with white button down shirt when she was in the Georgetown lab. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, well, that's just a 90s thing, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did know about that. And there's a few times that this happens. But I mean, that's that's how it is. And interestingly, no, though, at the time, Fox actually did not want the episode to end that way. They thought right. that, that people might mistakenly think the show was canceled if the X-Files got broken up. I would have thought that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the show was called The X-Files. Yeah. If the season ends with no X-Files, where do you go from there? Yeah, the X-Files is shut down. Okay, see you next season. <laughs> and so, and we finish in a scene that I think is a great mirror to the pilot. Oh, yeah, so great. Back into the Pentagon warehouse we go as a cigarette-smoking man just takes the alien embryo. It's and- like the exact same shot. It's the exact same, like, staging of it. I hope that that box is refrigerated. Otherwise, that thing's gonna, like... No, they're, like, pickled. Thaw. No, they're like pickled. They're in like a solution. Uh, I guess they're so. a totally different color. Though, and when Scully pulled out, yeah, it, it was fr- it was like chroni- cryogenic. Yes, yeah. that was cryogenic frozen. So clearly, these aliens are like they're just like I don't know preserved. Yeah, I hope it keeps sort of like ketchup. How <laughs> yeah. some people feel like you don't need to put it in the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> you little, little ketchup aliens. Ketchup aliens. Remember green ketchup? That's what that blood. Looked I do like. remember green ketchup. Squirty ketchup. Yeah, exactly. The squirty ketchup. Draw with it. And this was even before Shrek. There was so they decided gross. like, well, we like green tomatoes, so let's make green ketchup happen. And purple. And per- oh yeah, I forgot about the purple ketchup. Yeah, it was for coloring with your ketchup. Does anyone? Ah, uh, America. Does anyone have purple blood in the X Files? I don't think so. Okay. If we not- we do inside. Wow. You blew my so mind. So deep. Well, I'm going to pontificate that some more for the next few minutes, Angela. As we're going to take a break between episodes and hear a word from our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are back, hopping right into season two with Little Green Men. Apparently, something that I learned from Munib is that Chris Carter's fingerprint on the series is, of course, palpable. Apparently, he usually pens at least every season premiere. This, mm-hmm. for some reason, is the lone exception, not the lone gunman. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I, that's right, but I, it's not something that I like. No, I I don't remember. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I think this. This might be my favorite episode yet of oh, the series. Oh, interesting. It's not one of my favorites, but it's okay. I don't know. I just, I really like the uniqueness that it brings. I think it brings things back in full force. I really like Mulder's arc in this episode. Yes. In particular, him finally questioning his own sanity, his own recall of events, and the journey that he takes to yeah. finding that reality. But still, it's re- the evidence is right out of reach as well, but yeah. it emboldens him still. Well, and one thing I'll say about that is that that whole storyline grows a little long in the tooth over the series. Mm-hmm. So this is like your first 
instance of it. Whereas for me, it's like, oh God, this again. Right. You know, like, my first taste of a food that you have had many, many times. Yeah, exactly. So it's something that I, I, in retrospect, yeah, it's, it is interesting and it's good to see him sort of have this sort of growth, I guess you could say. So Mulder is all over this episode, including on the beginning where we have this pretty trippy opening sequence of events where we open on the stars and then Mulder sort of does his oh, gosh, Carl yeah. Sagan as he talks about He does this a lot. Um, oh, really? This is throughout the series where there's some sort of like, um, you know, monologue that he's reciting, mm-hmm. whether or not it's like about, um, you know, something that's happened or... And, and sometimes you're not, I don't even know if it's supposed to be Mulder or if it's just supposed to be David Duchovny's voice. Oh, that's but, interesting. <laughs> they just utilized him saying, your voice is familiar. Yeah. So and, you're, you're placid enough. But yeah, like, and it always ends with something like, we want to listen. Yeah. You know, like. So he talks about the Voyager spacecraft. Voyager. Were, were a real thing. Yes, Voyager. I was going to say, I think. We more so remember it from Star Trek lore, between, of course, V'ger from Star Trek The Motion Picture. There's also, of course, the USS Voyager mm-hmm. from the titular Star Trek Voyager. And also Voyager from real life. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, unfortunately, we know the fictional versions of Voyager <laughs> yeah. mostly than the real life Voyager. So I'm happy we got yes. the catch up here that essentially in the 70s and 80s, two spacecrafts were sent out with like classical music, numbers. Yeah, they were gold plated records that had been, um, I guess sort of recorded music, numbers, letter, everything from like different languages, different it's, cultures. It's essentially the, a version of a time capsule, just more of a space capsule. A space it's, it's capsule. Not, it's not to indicate to people in the future this is what life was like in the past. It's to send messages to, to things out there. This is what life on Earth is like right now. Yes, exactly. And it's supposed to be kind of throughout history as well. It's not like, you know, so obviously the Bach concerto is playing mm-hmm. um, over this opening. Which some as would well. say will outlive us all. <laughs> some would say that. <laughs> After the sun, ex- what, uh, you know, go- works through all its fuel and engulfs us all, but then Bach he says, will live. But then he says, um, unless something intercepts it. Yeah, exactly. Mulder <laughs> also calls it Bach. Bach. Very, oh, God. Very soft sea on the Bach. But the Bach takes us into Mulder talking about not only Voyager, but the high resolution survey, I guess yes. is what it is. Um, my autocorrect says Microsoft survey. I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> Thank you, autocorrect. Luckily, I'm not reading your notes. So. But basically, it's a program where they were tracking communications from Voyager, hoping to get some sort of reception back. Of course, it ends up getting shut down. Yeah, because they're not getting anything. And, he, and Mulder relates this back to his own conundrum, mm-hmm. right? He says, I wanted to believe, but the tools had been taken away. The X-Files had been shut down. They closed our eyes. Our ears now deaf to the realm of extreme possibility. And much like Mulder, he feels like a dusty old communication facility at the moment. But out of nowhere, out of the clouds, comes a communication that sends everyone a tizzy. Yeah. Um, wild. <laughs> in, in Puerto Rico, we should say as well. Puerto Rico. You lovely island. <laughs> island of tropical breezes and alien communication. Yes, and alien communicate. I found out behind the scenes that actually an initial draft of this episode was going to send Mulder to Russia, not to Puerto Rico. Quite the opposite climate in many ways. Yeah, don't worry. They'll get there later. Oh, well, yeah, you talked about the whole Russian story. Oh, line. Russia. <laughs> so we find out what happened to Mulder and Scully yes. post season one. Mulder has been essentially given... Not even like desk duty, the bottom rung of desk duty, where he's been following this wiretap and having to listen to these two grody guys talk about strip teases mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's like the 
the bottom of the barrel. It's desk duty to the extreme. You know, he is just listening to bugged offices. Yeah, essentially. And and he's been, he'll admit later on that this is really just busy work. He could like, have easily yeah. gotten convections later on, but I think they're just sort of putting him away in a corner mm-hmm. and, and giving him stuff to do so that he stays out of the way. Scully, they trust a little more. It seems like she's back at Quantico. Yeah, that's where she worked prior to going into the FBI. She's a teacher at Quantico, so she's teaching how to do an autopsy. But it's kind of interesting because she, prior to being on the X-Files, I don't think would have done this. Just kind of lean back and pontificate about the nature of the human brain. Yeah, she talks about, you know, how great it is that our memories, our thoughts, our personality is locked behind a small pocket of tissue. And the student doesn't just ask uh, Dr. Scully, what are you on? She says, what you were saying was kind of spooky. And you lost it. (laughs) I cannot believe, truly cannot believe that spooky is a season spanning arc. Series spanning. It's a a word that I thought would maybe go away in the first season, Mm -mm. but spooky. Spooky Mulder. Spooky Mulder. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, spookiness will raise your head much more, but I just love that everyone has spooky on the brain of, oh, this is really spooky. I would not describe what Scully was saying as spooky. I would call him more so as effed up. Okay, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Uh, Can you just teach us how to do this? Excuse? (laughs) Can I walk off to a, a, a huff to the bathroom? Yeah, really. So we see. Mulder, back at his desk, he pontificates on a picture of a girl playing on the playground. We're going we're gonna to get to that later on. So we talked about this before. Mulder looks distinctly different. Yes, His he hair does. is lying more flat. There is probably less product in it. It seems like he both cares yeah, he more has, and cares less. He has like less. a little bit of a scruff going on. Yeah, he cares more and cares less simultaneously about the way he looks with everything. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that there's a few things like sprinkled throughout the episode, like how he has on his voicemail, like um, he was supposed to meet up with some girl for dinner. Yeah, she like called him a pig. Yeah, cause so clearly he's getting around. I think, you know, it's. I think that's helpful to like kind of see how he's given up a little bit in some ways and just going back to the sort of like regular old life. He's trying to de-spookify himself, essentially. He's passed on the spookiness to Scully, in a manner of speaking. But the two are going to come back together here, have a secret meeting at, of all places, Watergate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're trying to, like, live into that uh, deep throat thing. Yeah, I was going to say, but of all locations, do not pick the one government facility that is involved in the most conspiracy. Well, it's the Watergate Hotel. It's not a government facility. Yeah, but but, it's still involved in, like, a huge (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. It's a little... I think that's just sort of a writing tool at this point like it wasn't thought through <laughs> yes but we get a little bit of catch up here basically we talk about how deep throat is officially dead Mulder watched his funeral what do you say via binoculars from 1000 yards away yes because he didn't want anyone to see him but um yeah so he's doubting his belief at this point in uh what's going on despite that though he did still have the inclination that the correct inclination ultimately that he and scully or at least he is being tailed yes that he is being followed that he still despite being put in a corner knows too much and doesn't want to put scully in danger and it seems like scully was the one to propose the meeting because there's a moment earlier where he goes to his desk she tries to, you know, they're passing each other in the hallway. She, she tries to say hi, and he just brushes her off Well, completely. and so the picture on his desk had a sticky note on it. And the, oh, really? And the 
Yeah, didn't you get the... Not. So the picture frame was down on his desk, and mm-hmm. whenever the picture frame's down, that's their signal that they want to meet. Oh, I just thought he, like, put it down, like, I can't focus on this. I'm going to no, listen to no, my No, 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 she tab. says it later. She, or he says the picture frame was down, you know, so you wanted to meet. What's up? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, oh, I just kind of wanted to say hi. Yeah, she what she says, you know... She does the are you okay text, yeah. basically. She mm-hmm. says, you were less than a foot away from me, but you were miles away. Look at Scully getting so poetic. So poetic. And Mulder decides to respond with sort of his own form of poetry. He tells the story of, what's his name, George Hale? Yes. I think his name is. He'll be a pseudonym later on. But this guy who essentially, he claims, was inspired to invest and build this game-changing giant telescope from an elf who popped through his window. Yeah, he had a dream about an elf. I mean, he popped through his window who told him to go to the Rockefellers and get money to build a telescope. And, and you know, as someone who played an elf once upon a time, I can understand how inspirational <laughs> elf's prospects can be. Well, and I also think that Scully says, like, yeah, but the telescope got built. Yeah. Like, it happened, so who cares? It doesn't <laughs> matter the means as long as the ends make... The ends justify the means in a manner of speaking. Yeah, in this case, that's okay. But Mulder's more so concerned with the means because I think he's concerned with his own mental stability. The the means mean everything to him at this point. He says, I I should have have something to hold on to, some form of evidence. I learned that from you. And I think that's, while we talked a lot about Scully being influenced Mm -hmm. by Mulder being more palpable, I do like this smidge of Mulder being influenced by Scully of wow, maybe she's right. Maybe I should have scrutinized more of my stuff. Well, and I think also for him, it's like Mulder is going after aliens because he thinks his sister was abducted by aliens when he was 15 years old, whereas she is believe starting to believe in this because of what's happening to her right now. So right. she's in a place where she knows what's happened because it's happened within the past year. Right. As opposed to if this happened, if it happened, when it happened, how it ago. happened. And I'm sure his entire like adolescent and, and young life, his parents were like taking him to therapists and like trying to tell him it didn't happen. And, you know, so that, that puts a kind of a wear on your memory. So, Let's talk about that. It's a flashback time. Yes, into the flashback. November 1973, we see young Fox Mulder, young Samantha Mulder mm-hmm. playing Stratego. Mm-hmm. Big throwback. Did you ever play Stratego? No, of course I didn't play Stratego. That was a big PF camp game to me, day camp game, where they would bring out a bunch of old Wait, what's games. PF camp? It's, it was just like a day camp that, oh. that they would have, where <laughs> it, it's, I think it was like government-sponsored, not like oh, a private okay, day okay. camp or anything, but they would trot out a bunch of old board games for afternoon time, and Stratego was one of them. Stratego, I think it's called something different in other countries, but it's that game where like Risk? You, it's sort of. You have a set of different pieces that range mm-hmm. in number from like number one all the way up to number ten and a flag. It's essentially capture the flag you set up the defense mm-hmm. and then you go after somebody else's flag. And essentially gotcha. it's like if you're a higher number than somebody else, you take that piece. Gotcha. And so it's all about strategy. And so they're playing Stratego. They have Watergate coverage on in the background because Mulder's waiting to watch a movie called The Magician. Never heard of it. I mean, it, I guess this maybe shows that Mulder had an interest in The Strange because I'm assuming it has something to do with magic. I don't know. I'm going to look it up, though, because it sounds familiar and I am like... Um, that's tough in this day and age the when magician. there is a show and book series called The Magician. Well, big fan of that, but no. I, I'll find it. Don't you worry. And Mulder, you know, we talked about Mulder being a baseball fan a couple of episodes ago. Who knew that young Mulder, though, was, I guess, a basketball fan? Because he's just 
trotting out a random basketball he's a jersey. sports fan. I mean, I think you'll get it later in the series. He's also a baseball fan. He's a sports fan. Yeah, I do like, though, that he's just casually wearing a jersey at home. I, don't, I feel like that feels like a tenet of... 90s kids wardrobes that do not translate to real life. I don't ah, know many people. The who sort of Magician is an American television series oh. that aired during 1973 to 1974. Oh, it's okay, like a short, stage magician. Short lived. Yeah. Okay. So Mulder's, even though this is going to be a seminal moment for Mulder that makes him look towards the spookier stuff, it seems like he's always interested in. Wow, who is Bill <laughs> That's Bixby. the magician. Bill Bixby is yeah, the magician. It's like a poster where he's like reaching out towards you. Touching me, touching you. <laughs> I got to admit here, Jersey-laden Kid Mulder. Yeah, you did not like him. Not the best Not a actor. big fan. But you have to admit, he does look like David Duchovny. He does look, especially with that flat hair. <laughs> yeah. That's another reason why. Floppy they, hair. That's why they gave him that hairstyle for this episode was, was to match that. It's clear that Samantha, and while Mulder has obviously a lot of sentimentality towards Samantha, he does not in this moment. Typical sibling fighting, right? Yeah, fighting I mean, over she's who's a watching young, magician. she's like, what, eight years old? She calls him butt munch. <laughs> he tells her to get out of his life, and exactly that happens. And Angela, things get freaky. Yeah, so I said flashback before, but this is a dream. Yeah. And I will I will preface this dream by saying that Mulder remembers this t- multiple more times throughout the series, and it's it tends to be different. I was going to say, so is it is it done with like different actors or different things? Well, no, happen? I mean, there's this flashback and this, they, they do reference this again, but it, it's talked about so many times throughout the series that it's still unclear to a lot of people what happened. So, you know, take that. This is a dream. Yeah. Well, there a lot of stuff happens, though, to signal, I guess, what he believes. What he th- remembers to an extent. The power blows. Then things start rumbling, mm-hmm. and then outlets start sparking, and mm-hmm. then it looks like there's a rave outside with yes. lights flashing, and then the door opens because mm-hmm. aliens can bypass locks, and he sees a blinding white light mm-hmm. with a skinny silhouette, and this was a big deal because Spencer says this is the first time the series actually visibly showed an alien. Yeah. Even back during Fallen Angel, yeah. when we assumed that was an alien, we saw it as an invisible creature. We saw it from its POV. This is the first time we've outright seen an alien figure. Yes, and I think that was important because he, like, I think Chris Carter was very, very interested in us knowing this and and knowing that that's what this is about. Yeah, like, but uh, evidently, despite the alien going through the door, yeah. Samantha hovers in the air and very slowly... Well, it was kind of like what Max did, though, no? Yeah, but Max disappeared in an instant. Samantha moves. No, at a, he's in the air. Remember, you yeah, see but she's air? moving at a oh, yeah, snail's yeah, yeah. pace. Yeah, they're like the dragging window. her out the door. And <laughs> like, here comes this kid, Samantha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when this kid is fine when he's acting like a butt munch, but then, which is he, why it's so wild to me that I like remembered her name incorrectly because now it's like vividly like I remember it so vividly. But like, when he's supposed <laughs> to act scared and confused, I guess maybe his his mind is removed mm-hmm. from the dream at this point. But it's just it's so terrible. I'm so sorry. I don't want to you know harsh on kids' acting skills, but it, it definitely removed things from me. But Mulder's trying to yes. you know grab the gun out of the the lockbox to try to shoot the aliens, yeah. but he really should have tried to go for his sister who was just very methodically arduously being pulled out well the i think i mean he didn't know it was an alien he thought he'd get the gun yeah uh and i guess he tried to what shoot the alien at the door i guess so i'm not sure <laughs> but it as you said turns out to be a dream Mulder wakes up and he's late for a meeting 
with Senator Matheson. Mm-hmm. So I believe from my research, this is a debut yes, of Senator Matheson. Yes, this is a Matheson. debut. He'll make, he'll make an appearance in a couple more episodes, I believe. He does, and he he's somebody who is a U.S. senator. He's influential, but he takes a liking to Fox Mulder. Yeah, and, and so and so when I think in the place of Deep Throat, this is sort of, not necessarily his inside guy, but he seems to be someone who is... In advocating the, yeah, for him on the legislative side of things yeah. who seems to be into buying what Mulder is selling yeah and so he's basically tells Mulder that oh also his name is Richard Matheson because mm-hmm. he um they named him Richard Matheson in real life it was a writer on the Twilight Zone oh that's fun I gotta mm-hmm. say Matheson I'm glad he's helping He's a, I don't know, a little bit of a snob. Yeah, the actor who plays him, though, I think is like, he seems really familiar, so he's mm-hmm. probably been in like a bunch of stuff as a snob. Yeah, he, um, he you know, sort of classical abuse explains mm-hmm. Mulder. Mulder was only off by one concerto. I think that should deserve some kudos. Yeah, I guess so. But he basically tells him about um, the the re- signal that's coming through in Puerto Rico and that he is going to try to hold off a team, the UFO retrieval team, who's headed there in 24 hours and that, you know, Mulder has to go. Spencer says total floor forehead slap when the senator scribbles down a message to Mulder to warn that the office may be under surveillance Mm -hmm. and then proceeds to chat with Mulder over the classical music. I don't think the music was loud enough to drown out their conversation, nor was it the best genre of music. (laughs) Should have gone with hard rock or metal. I will say, Spencer, unfortunately, that sort of uh, bemoans Matheson's point that classical yeah. music will truly outlive the human race. Also, like, why would he be listening to? Yeah, no, I get it. I, I think that's definitely just a plot device. I, who knows how surveillance worked in the nineties? Right. Because basically, what Matheson <laughs> does is he writes down on a cocktail napkin, you know, they may be listening, and mm-hmm. then proceeds to repeat the classical music yes. while telling Mulder what you just said. Go to Puerto Rico asap. Look for quote unquote contact. Contact. Yeah. So I, I do find it interesting. I mentioned it before that. Obviously, Mulder had been tipped off previously from someone like Deep Throat within his mm-hmm. own team. I do find it interesting that it spans the entire government. Yeah. It makes me wonder. It's, it I, is why You can answer this. Will we see a president of the United States in a future episode of The X-Files? Oh, I don't think so. Interesting. I don't remember. Maybe? Maybe not? I don't okay. think so, actually. I don't think they date it like that. Okay, because when you think like this goes all the way to the top, obviously that's the no. first thing that I and think No, and while of. we do talk about this being in the 90s, it's not... I don't think it's meant to be... Um, like any sort of specific like year like Mm -hmm. it's meant to be present day like obviously at the time but i don't think that they would show anyone that was real life um government official so to show a president it would have to be fake president i don't remember a fake president all right so someone who is definitely fake but real on the show everyone's probably screaming at me like don't you remember that one episode with that one time that's what feedback is for yeah please bloom files at poster recaps.com x files at poster recaps.com we live to be corrected here courteously so courteously so at me skinner's back quote ali lasher (laughs) welcome season two for skinner so basically he's back along with the cigarette smoking man where skinner recorded a conversation that he had with scully where Mulder has taken Matheson's advice and has gotten the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, so Skinner's calling Scully to say, do you know where he is, basically? And And Scully Scully actually doesn't know where he is. And we we get a smidge of how the episode's going to end, right, where Cigarette Smoking Man is immediately on to, they're in it together, and Skinner's sticking up for Scully, saying, no, clearly she cares about him. 
you know, she she would have. And really- we get a little more about the way Skinner is too. Like he, you can tell it. He's a little better better of an actor in this episode, where you can tell he's frustrated with the whole thing. Like he's kind of annoyed that he has to even call Scully. He's yeah. just like, what the hell is this all about? Like. So over it. Well, let's go to the island. Let's go to Puerto Rico as Mulder is mm-hmm. off on an island. And he has gone from the bomber jacket of his previous stealth Yeah, this mission. is, I like to call this Jungle Mulder. Jungle Mulder <laughs> with, and of course, though, it's, it's still like is, Rainforest Barbie. It, it's not exactly the most breathable, though. It's a, de- it's a Canadian yeah. tuxedo. He's wearing a denim overshirt and jeans. I think he looks cute. His it's hair very, is floppy. He's got a backpack that's on. That's very 90s, though, too, right? I'm the into denim, it. Denim on denim. I'm going to dress you like that. Okay, I'll I'll dress up like you can dress me up like Fox Mulder. Yeah, we'll do all the different Fox Mulder looks. I, I like that. Maybe we'll <laughs> we'll post it on post show recaps or maybe. something. Mulder's <laughs> look through the years, but Jungle Mulder is able to maybe the denim did hit him good as he breaks into the communication facility. We talked about this before that Scully, meanwhile, is I think she's in Mulder's place right now, right? She pulls right, the Mulder so she, and gets into his place. Yeah, she basically, like, as soon as Skinner tells her that he's gone, she goes over to his apartment to, like, try to figure out where he went and pulls the, I guess, the transcript or the whatever has, whatever communication has come through on the yeah. little paper that you rip the holes off the side of yeah the, the computer dot matrix <laughs> yeah at this point but before that for our second episode in a row angela we have password nonsense as scully has to break into oh right she's, like, yeah, she's in his computer and so you died the, well the first attempt is spooky <laughs> why would his password be spooky. Yeah, that was dumb. I admit that was I know, really I know dumb. I know you could say it takes it as a cheeky term of endearment, but they also haven't said it in a really long time. So I guess they're trying to like it's the first episode of the second season. Like, oh, remember when we said this in the beginning of the first season? But they already said it in a previous scene. So we don't need to double down on spookiness. They're just trying to bring it back. But she ends up getting through actually in the third attempt. It's trust no number one. Yeah, very nineties. So I, I will say at least that is a stronger password than spooky. Or Samantha because it has a number in it. But come on, Mulder, throw like a special character in there well, or something. This is the nineties. People didn't have that many passwords. They had one password, maybe one thing that needed a password. Yeah, though it seemed like I would imagine in the time since Mulder changed the password because since those were Deep Throat's last words, he then went on to sort of, I don't know, change his computer password yes. to sort of memorialize him and also well, take notice also, of that like, fact. Yeah, and I think for the for the two of them, like he knew it was something maybe she would know. But Scully is interrupted in her password-breaking pursuits by a group of seedy fellows. <laughs> dumb fellows, more pretty like. Dumb, pretty gullible. I think Scully's able to do a pretty good job here of not rattling the monkey cage, as it mm-hmm. were, just saying, oh, I'm here to feed Mulder's fish. And she actually does something pretty smooth, right? Where yeah. the guy crumples up the printout, throws it in the trash. Yeah, basically, the guy picks up the printout, and Scully almost freaks out, because she's like, oh, shit, he's got it. But then he goes, oh, it looks like one of those test pages that the printer does, and then throws it out. Yeah, to test the, the ink, if you put the cyan in correctly. And Scully pretends, or she actually does quote-unquote, accidentally spill the fish food mm-hmm. and says, oh, no, let me use this paper you conveniently threw away to sl- you know, scoop it up. And much like Bill Bixby in The Magician, yeah. she scoops it up into her sleeve and then walks out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, it's, it's really stealthy on Scully's part. Again, it's, it's a page out of Mulder's book and both breaking into his apartment to seek out further information and also, you know, lying to her fellow agents. Yeah, wild. She would never have done that. So we're back in Puerto Rico. Mulder is full tombs here and how sweaty he is. He's <laughs> he going to be gross. so sweaty over the course yeah, of this episode. Yeah, and it's like I get Puerto Rico is is definitely warm, 
But at night, I don't think he should be that high. Well, I also think he probably has shut himself up again in this facility. There's probably no air running yes, because yeah, it yeah. Hasn't it's been an old facility for a yeah. while. And he also has to share a space mm-hmm. with a friend. Mulder hears something from the back bathroom, and here he is, Jorge Concepcion. Jorge Concepcion. Here he is. He doesn't understand Mulder, but Mulder somewhat understands him. I think if you speak Spanish like Angela and I do remediately, mm-hmm. you're able to get a bit out of Jorge's literal translations. Basically, he talks about how one day he saw lights in the sky and what he saw creatures that looked like men but weren't men that came down. But he's able to get on the same page with Mulder through art, yeah. through an illustration of a pretty minimalistic alien face. Doesn't even have a mouth. Amazing, yeah. So... Yeah, I was so confused by this guy. I'm still a little confused. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly don't know much about this other than I think he's meant to show like proof that that this is sort of alien contact, right? But did to he an extent, work in the facility, or was he just so scared that he ran into the bathroom and like locked himself in? Yeah, I think he was just around it. I don't think he worked in the facility. I think he was just like a local. Interesting, but he was in the area and yeah. saw it. Yeah, and saw it and like um, got like scared and ran into the closet. Oh, man, Jorge Concepcion. I mean. You know, we're not, he's not. That's my guess. I mean, I don't think they explained it any further than that. What is the Concepcion behind Jorge (laughs) Concepcion? The world may never know. But Scully is now going to consult with some more friends in the form of a friend of the Navy office who talks about what he calls what the wow frequency, where basically he, he recalls a story where he had a friend who saw a really strong. above average strong community frequency Mm -hmm. that essentially indicates, oh, this might have been aliens. Yeah, exactly. And then Scully is going to essentially track Mulder down by checking, I guess, his, I think his, his itinerary or like flight records. Oh, so basically they tell, somebody tells her about the, the different, she brings the the printout to somebody right. who's like a geek for this stuff, and basically he tells yeah he tells her that the trans it's similar to transmissions that were received at one of the the centers mm-hmm. in the past before they were shut down, but much much better. It's like amazing, and he says so. It's it must have come from one of these five centers. So she finds manifests for. Puerto Rico and Southern California and yeah. like all these other places that have these centers for transmission. And under one under the Puerto Rico flight she sees George Hale. And she goes ding ding ding. Which is uh, she assumes is a pseudonym of Mulder's. A couple things about this. Apparently this is the debut of the George Hale yes. pseudonym which of course we heard about. That was the Elf Telescope Man. Much better than what was it? Uh, like uh, Oh his like mixed up name. Yeah like yeah. F- um, uh, M folder, I yeah, think, was, was like what that. Max called him. And I'm like, very much not a mix em up of letters. He's not moved, a mix em up of letters. Yeah, Mulder's no. doing better with the password protection, with the pseudonyms as well. Apparently, also, if you sort of freeze frame the manifest, all the other names on that are of renowned X File fans at the time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they sort of snuck the fans in saying, thank you for sticking with us through this wild, wild ride. We're going to put your names in an episode here. I mean, wild ride. It's only been one season. Oh, so far. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a wild ride back in Puerto Rico as Jorge is sort of just poking around as Mulder investigates 
really sort of like cringy but funny line. Yeah. From also, how do you feel about Mulder's uh, Spanish technique? Yeah, no ho on the rojo. No ho on the rojo. <laughs> yeah, which is it's <laughs> it doesn't age well. <laughs> doesn't age well. It's stupid. It is stupid. I also think that for for an FBI agent, like he's probably better, should be better equipped in a language that he must clearly like under see a little bit. You know, come into contact. He does. With. He thanks the truck driver. He has like minimal words that he yes. expresses to Jorge before and he, he says like, like no comprendo, like uh, like hablo inglés. Like all well, first he says hablo ingleses, which is like no, not, yeah, not correct. Like, I think he's mixing up uh, like Portuguese. Yeah. And Spanish. <laughs> yeah, he's making a mess of the whole situation. <laughs> he's, he's spanning the whole entire and they, they do put a tone on it of like comedy so it's like and it is kind of funny in a way but it, yeah, in a very it, 90s way that's like definitely should never be done and I do like the theme of he's in a communication facility and there's a break in communication yes yes that is cute yeah I didn't even notice that he can't talk with the one person that has seen the aliens but he doesn't have to wait long as the Bach music snaps back on uh-huh. and Jorge flips yeah he does not like that he says they're back he runs out. Bad idea, Jorge, because <laughs> that's where they got you the first time. Yeah, it's like very Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets. He gets petrified. He does get petrified. <laughs> Looks right at that basilisk. Yeah, and there's and there's no uh, what was the cure? Mandrake root. Ah, oh, there's no mandrake. Pull there. it together, Bloom. I'm so sorry. There are no mandrakes. It's okay. This to, is to not a Harry Rico. Potter podcast. There's lush, verdant foliage around them, but nary a mandrake to be found. Uh, they probably be screaming di- their heads off anyway. Well, they have to dig them out of the ground. Exactly, but. So, yeah, Jorge is dead, but frozen, recoiling against a tree. Yeah, like almost frozen in terror. So it's interesting because we have seen aliens kill in the manner of those intense burns from fallen angels. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've seen an alien kill by seemingly, I guess, freezing Jorge in his tracks. Right. So who knows? Was he actually killed by the alien or did he actually die of fright? Like, I don't know. Is that possible? To yeah, just like maybe die he had like, some sort of a heart attack. Maybe, yeah. maybe rigor mortis just set in really, really quickly. Yeah, I guess so. Because well, later on, I'm trying to remember. I think Jorge- it's meant to be a little like convoluted. Well, though. I'm trying to remember when Jorge is on the table. Is he still in that position? Yes. Or OK, I didn't know if they, he was able to get his arms down or if uh, they snapped off. Maybe later he does. I don't know. So Scully is in the Miami airport, and I know that we got a message from KX basically saying, in this episode, Scully pushes Mulder to continue his pursuit of aliens, but at what point does it become the true <laughs> friend move to get him to give it all up and move on with his life? Because, yeah, we see yeah. Scully, Scully is pursuing Mulder here, I think, to help him out. But from that perspective, when you're in the Watergate, do you think as a friend, you're just like, maybe this is the best idea for you instead so, of why are you shirking this part of your life? This is something that she she deals with throughout the series, too, because I think she she flips and flops. Like, mm-hmm. there's points where she's like, yeah, we should like, come on, older. Like, let's just like live our lives. Like, don't you want to have like a normal life? Blah, blah, blah. But then she also has experienced all of this and is starting to become like him in some ways where it's not only about her protecting him and pursuing him and taking care of him because she's his friend but because she also believes in these things to an extent interesting so it's a little bit projecting as well like if you give on up on it yeah i have to give up on it yeah and i think it's like she doesn't want to give up on him but she also like is it's a mystery and she's in the fbi for a reason she likes to solve mysteries that's true that's what she's not there to listen on wiretaps or pontificate really creepily on brains of tissue <laughs> exactly in our heads and Mul- and scully gets to play 
a little bit of a spy. Yeah, this here. is so fun. So she's in the airport. She spies this very colorfully dressed couple acting super sketch. Yeah, this like couple that's like the look like they're about to go on like a Hawaiian vacation mm-hmm. are just sort of sitting there, but they're very clearly watching her. And yeah, she's to the like, point where when she looks at them, they look the other way. You know, it's like a yeah. one of you approach two people and they immediately change the topic of conversation. And I'm not like, sure how talking. you could theoretically film this without that being the case, but I, you know, it was very obvious. So and so she sends them them off as a test on a false lead. She calls Mulder's VMs, knowing that these guys are probably listening in, specifically the cigarette smoking man is, and gives like a very coded set of numbers, I guess was it to indicate the, the terminal the that flight, she was at? Yeah. yeah. So they think it's this flight to St. Croix, I yeah, believe. Croix. Uh, she's probably going to enjoy some nice seltzer there. <laughs> That's luck. But she, in that very brief amount of time that she evaded them, is able to make her way to the upper level and to another desk to actually make her way to Puerto Rico. Yeah, so she goes to, well, she doesn't even have a ticket. She just goes up to the desk. She's like, I want to be on the six o'clock flight to Puerto Rico. Yeah, she moves quickly. Yeah, which is great. Good for her. So Mulder is now down to his sleeveless tee. <laughs> Sexy. And it's a little Aichi, baggy. Wawa. It's a little baggy on him, if we're being honest. Well, it's stretched out. He's been there in the heat. I also, you did notice, I think, when we were watching the season one finale that Mulder was wearing a very he was baggy very, suit. You know, where he, his suit was huge. He had like big shoulders. It was just like very weird. Maybe he watched that one guy from that episode of the Tomb Squeeze duo and was like, Maybe. I want to look like that man. Just the success you want to be. I feel like sometimes the suits, and this was just the style, it's like. If you look at young men going to prom wearing two large suits, that was just like 90s. Yeah, everyone was into the talking heads. Everyone loved David Byrne's giant suits. I guess so. So, speaking of a talking head, here is honestly maybe my favorite part of the episode. I really loved Mulder's confession slash monologue on the tape recorder. I love the reveal that it was to Scully. You think initially he just says... Basically, as like a last will and testament, if this should be found in the body decomposes, this is the evidence that I found. And then he breaks down yeah. in the middle of it, basically saying, Deep Throat said trust no one, but that is easier said than done, because when you trust no one, can you really trust yourself? Yeah, so he's questioning everything. He's like, you know, and, and then he basically says to her, like, I don't, I can trust no one, but I trust you. Yeah, but I, you have so to imagine, cute. it has to be tough because while pursuing truth relentlessly and you're supposed to be skeptical of everything around you, it really does isolate yourself. And that's why you look for that constant in the form of Scully. But when it's been taken you, apart from each other and it, and it also leads you back around to not trust yourself as well in these anchor moments that have just really pushed you forward so much in life. I cannot imagine if you were then told hey, this thing that you believed in so much, Mm -hmm. it wasn't real. Everything you did was a lie. That's got to hurt a lot. And the fact that Mulder is trying to digest all this while sweating it out. Yeah, he's like in a very like um, a tough time right now in Puerto Rico, too. It's sort of is like a weird walkabout sweat lodge type thing for Mulder, right? When they they say you're supposed to sweat everything out and really see your vision quest Mm -hmm. ahead of you. Maybe that's what's happening. I'm pretty sure that happens in a future episode with Mulder. Ooh, interesting. But I feel I feel for Mulder right now. I think he has hit his low point where he's stuck listening to footage, looking out for new footage. And he really does not trust the man that he sees in the mirror. Yeah. To be the first person that he trusts and believes in altogether. And he opines out loud, I don't know what would happen if they really came. Yeah. And guess what happens? 
Yeah, nothing really. I mean, he passes out. <laughs> well, I think that the, the at least he perceives the same stuff that was happening in yes. his dream, where things vibrate. He thinks the it's the same as outside. when his sister was abducted. The yeah. door opens, there's that figure again. Mulder this time not only has his hands on a gun, but fires at it. Oddly enough, it seems like bullets don't even leave his gun, yeah. despite the fact that it's loaded. So maybe if this is indeed real, the alien has just shut down the mm-hmm. mechanization of the gun altogether. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's unclear whether or not his dream was real, if this is real, if he's hallucinating, but to him, it's the same. Yeah, and so Scully finds Mulder passed out after the act break, and Mulder sort of has his group back. He's at least invigorated, right? He says, I have proof, I have yeah. transmissions, I have Jorge's body, and Scully, I think, now sort of steps back into the role that she had before, really cautiously explaining how these pursuits realistically might not work out yeah exactly and also like he needs to understand that he's in um puerto rico right now passed out on the floor <laughs> exactly and also you're trying to get this body out imagine trying yeah to get yeah he's like let me just like take this body with me like no grab the papers like crazy well person. one thing that is indeed true from Mulder's perspective is that you know the the senator was right. Yeah, there were, the people are there was coming a to clean it up. Crew ready to clean things up, and so much like we began this podcast <laughs> yes. with the car chase, so we end the episode. Yeah, this got real action real fast. <laughs> yeah, so we have Mulder steering the jeep, romancing the stone style through, oh, love that through the jungle, crashing the party, but they're able to escape this military jeep at the end of the day. I mean, of course they are. <laughs> Did you think they were not? No, I, they definitely would, but I'm surprised they. I was going to say they, they left with little consequences. They did, they're they're yeah. about to face major consequences. I think the consequence is more for them not achieving what they wanted to achieve by getting evidence here. Well, the thing that so I... So with their lives is good, but they didn't get the evidence. We'll find out later on that the tape that they had, the mm-hmm. real, was destroyed. They Scully says it could be an EMP, which maybe alludes to the alien, yeah. the alien interference. But it's interesting. I There's a shot for a second of Scully in the car and the reel is on the floor of the car, there is a part of me, Angela, maybe this is the trust no one, I'm Mm. taking Deep Throat's word to heart here, I thought for a smidge of a second that maybe Scully had switched the reels or something. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that happened, but I don't think you're supposed to think that either. So it was just that because the alien showed up, they unintentionally blanked out the communication. I don't think they would do it on purpose. Yeah, either that or somebody got to it or something. Yeah, so I don't think it was done on purpose, but it was like a bad coincidence that yeah. like they the one reel they took like had nothing on it. So, suffice it to say, Skinner is not Yeah, well, because he's supposed to be, he's basically kept Mulder under lock and key, listening to surveillance, Mm -hmm. and he's been gone from work for, like, at least a couple days, like, in Puerto Rico. You're supposed to be listening to these uh, really big stripper heads here. Yeah, and Mulder does give it back to him. Like, he says this is bullshit. Like, you've had me there for, like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not useful. Like, I could have gotten these guys, and he's just like, but you need to go back, and you need to do it. Well, I think Mulder then also brings up a really interesting fact that Skinner did not know about. He says, he does bring up that point that he said, I could have done this, gotten this done three days ago. And then you also have the wiretap on my place, which is illegal. And And Skinner looks right at the cigarette smoking man and is like, that throws him for a loop. Yeah, so. I mean, like we said before, Cigarette Smoking Man is sharpening his knives right now. He says, your time yeah. is over. You leave with nothing. Good day, sir. And he says, hold up, bro. Get the hell out of my office. Yeah. Right now. That was a step too far to go behind Skinner's back 
and plan this wiretap and monitoring on on Mulder well, without you, his knowledge. You're starting to see that Skinner really doesn't know what's going on. That Skinner's just a puppet right now, mm-hmm. and that that he's getting over it. Yeah, but Mulder is able to evade employment once again for the time Unemployment. being. Yeah, well, oh yeah, I guess that's more so the case. I yeah. guess employment in the X Files at least for right. the moment. He's, he's yeah. stuck behind the desk again, but at least he's still with the FBI. He basically got away from the fact that he let that secret slip mm-hmm. and Skinner was so angry with the cigarette smoking man that I think now he says, okay, you know what? Fine. Let bygones be bygones. You get your old job back. Yeah. But like, you just need to go back and, and listen to tapes. Yep. <laughs> and that's how the episode ends. Yeah. <laughs> he molders, sits back Scully and he have another conversation where he says, you know what? I still have my work. I still have you. I still have myself. So granted, while we are returning to the status quo from the beginning of this episode, this is more of an emboldened Mulder. Yes. And to that point, let's talk about the episode ending for a second, because at least from the copy we were watching, we heard some weird noise on the tape at the end as he's listening. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be spooky or not. I I think it's supposed to be spooky, but in in just kind of like a artificial, like, like, the way that the theme song is kind of spooky. You know? okay, like, so it's I not, don't think he heard it. Right, so it's not a, oh, this is an alien sound. Mm, but, but I, these, I don't think so. These guys that love it's strip pubs are actually alien. Just more <laughs> no, so, I think it's just like... Here's a weird sound to signify the end of the X-Files episode. Yes, yes, correct. I don't think it was actually on the tape. All right, Angela, let's get into how we end each one of these podcasts here. Spook of the week for both the Erlenmeyer Flask Ooh. and Little Green Men. Who is, who's the most spooky which which character is that one quantico student saying oh you're sounding real spooky right now who would have spooky as a password on their computer the little baby alien Ooh, that is a little spooky and a little cutie so spooky yeah it was actually a very good uh use of prosthetics we talked a lot about how the use of practical effects versus cgi in the x-files was really palpable in these first couple seasons and i think that's like a physical little creepy thing good work on the prop department for for making that Mm-hmm. For me, it's got to be Jorge Concepcion. Yeah, Just he's because good. He's a, a man of mystery, an hombre de misterioso, yes. if you will. We really don't know anything about him. I'm imagining we don't ever. No, he's dead. Yeah, so I. In the jungle. Yeah, so it's, it seemed like he was a character to show up, try to communicate with, with Mulder in a very harried way. I think it was supposed to articulate that it was real. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just all in Mulder's head. That someone else is experiencing it. And then, right. but despite that, he was still at arm's length because Mulder couldn't get him to actually, he couldn't understand what Jorge was saying. Yes, exactly. So Jorge, RIP, but you will always be remembered in the halls of the spook of the week. And Angela, we are now firmly into season two of the X-Files. I'm I am really so stoked for the next two episodes. These are like some crazy episodes. I'm very excited. I, I really do. Again, oh, three episodes, I think. Yeah, I really do. This is an arc. I do think that season two of the X-Files has really gotten off to a, a big start. I feel like this, this series did a really nice job of bringing us back in with a larger mystery, mm-hmm. changing the game by actually showing us an alien, changing the game by showing Mulder's maybe reluctance towards how spooky he was in the very beginning of the series. It was a really strong episode overall, and I'm very excited to see where it goes yeah. now that I'm imagining Mulder's not going to be trapped behind the the reels forever. No, definitely not. And I think there's also an aspect of how do they get back into the X-Files and how do things like continue down that road. And, and we'll get into some Monster of the Week episodes further into Series 2 because there are some good ones. But um, yeah, it'll be great. Next week, you alluded to it. Ooh, we are baby. doing... For the first time in Bloom Files, not a double header, but a triple header, three season two episodes. Season two, episode five, Dwayne Barry. Season two, episode six, 
Ascension, season two, episode eight, One Breath. You have no idea, and it is so exciting. Okay, I don't want you to say anything. Just, yeah, just scream into the void. I'm going to assume that Ascension has something to do with someone ascending into a UFO. Dwayne Berry sounds like a pharmacy. Maybe I'm just thinking Dwayne <laughs> It does sound like Maybe a it's pharmacy. like an alien pharmacist or something. These are they get, bad guesses. They get prescription. No, they always are mm-hmm. bad guesses. But No, the one you guessed was like, when you guessed Fallen Angel, it was like actually correct, oh, remember? Oh, I, I guess so, in a manner of speaking. So, yeah, we've got three episodes to cover. I'm assuming these are part of an arc. They are an arc, And yes. considering how they're an early part of season two, that means it is off to a rollicking start. Mm-hmm. I know this is a bit of an extra bit of homework, for you fans out yeah. there of the Bloom Files, but it does feel like these episodes all go together. These ones will go quickly, too, because they all they do go together in a way that's, like, riveting. Yeah, and we also have a few weeks after that that are, are one single, episode. Single episode. Yeah, so Give you a little break. Is, so we're sort of uh, pushing through the hardest part of the marathon right now before we ease up a bit. So yes. again, Season 2, Episode 5, Dwayne Barry, Episode 6, Ascension, episode eight one breath and if you have feedback about any of those three episodes or any of the episodes we just talked about you can email us of course bloomfiles at postshowrecaps.com xfiles at postshowrecaps.com they are all password protected don't worry the password is not spooky but we want to hear your thoughts again i'm so happy with everyone who has been on board with us with this ship through the x-files and we're, we're going into what feels like a new phase for the show already and it makes me very excited to have both newbies and veterans along for the ride let us know your thoughts about the episodes things we've gotten wrong your thoughts about questions that we asked i'm excited to build a community around all this. yeah totally Mulder's talking about how he feels so alone out there let's not be molders let's find our scullies in the form of this group of people you're my scully you're my molder should i also say you're my scully yeah we're each other scully yay happy valentine's day slash scully's day yeah everybody belatedly so also in the time since we have come back since banking all these episodes we also have a dedicated feed so if you want to please subscribe to the bloom files only feed in your podcatcher of choice do it if you want to leave a rating and review that would be really really nice especially as a relatively new podcast we want to catch on to x-files fans who might be Checking these podcasts out in the store. This bumps it up, makes it more visible. We do not want this obscured in a warehouse next to oh, God, alien no. embryos. <laughs> Ew. Certainly not. Though I think those uh, are, are fine at a perfectly normal temperature as well. If you also have thoughts you, you want to tweet out to us, you can tweet at Postal Recaps, at me, at a Mike Bloom type, at Angela, at Ange Pelagi, and we will be sure to talk about it all next week with this triple scoop, a Neapolitan, if you will. <laughs> we'll have to figure out next week what the flavors are. Oh boy. Okay. I'm, I'm very excited for this. Angela, thank you so much as always. Thank oh, you all. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you as always to Corey B for his fantastic theme song. We're going to close the Bloom Files for now, but we're going to be back covering Dwayne Barry, Ascension, and One Breath from Season 2. Until then, case closed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.